Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of It's Just Bodybuilding. Dusty Hanshaw, myself, Big Ron Partlow, coming at you with four-time Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler, on It's Just Bodybuilding. So here we are, bring you right in at the top of the show with uh, Dusty and I, uh, Jay Cutler, four-time Mr. Olympia, the best businessman in bodybuilding. How you doing, man? You know what's so funny, guys, is I was breezing through YouTube about a week ago or two weeks ago, and I saw this with my image in the background, and I said, how come I haven't been on his podcast yet? <laughs> and I remember you hit me out. You wanted me to be your first guest on this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said, you said, well, we put up a post saying we were going to do a podcast and you were the first guy to comment. You went, when am I on, bro? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then it took about a year to get you, but we got you. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. And, you know, I wanted the opportunity to come on here and kind of chat with you guys a little bit since we have a lot of history, you know, between yeah. us. Yeah, Dusty and I have uh, brought you up. Uh, obviously, you're on the wall here behind me. Um, we brought you up a lot on the show, you know, uh, and, and, and uh, one of the things things that is sort of universally thought about you is is just the way you've been so consistent with engaging in the fans from the very beginning of your career and 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 just you know dusty dusty and i've talked about your first to show up last to leave mentality for the expos and the fan events and you know when you look back on that i don't know what what do you think where did you get that from Man, I love it. I, I tell people to this day, like, I just went to FitCon this past weekend. I don't know if you guys saw the images or whatever, mm-hmm. but, you know, first expo of the year. Uh, I've missed it. Uh, I, I definitely have a different outlook because of the whole uh, situation we've been through with the pandemic and everything. But at the same time, like, it's been, uh, I definitely, I was born to, you know, just really, that's what I love the most is I can tell you competing wasn't always, it may appear to be unlike my, my love, right. My passion, but the fans, man, have been, it's just without the fans, I couldn't have had such a successful career. And I just like, I appreciate them so much. So I, I always, I'm, I hate leaving the expos to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you, do you think how many, what percentage of bodybuilders do you think don't quite get it? They don't mm, get it. I hate, I hate the pinpoint. Most don't get it. I He's think, like you 99. Know? <laughs> I mean, but, but I'll be, but I'll be real with you guys. And, and like a bodybuilder's job is to, is to train, right? We love training. I, I think that's my first love. So I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'd rather go to expos than go to the gym and work out. Like I love training. I still do it to this day probably more now than when I was competing at the Mr. Olympia, because I actually have fun doing it. Um, And I'll explain that later as we speak a little bit. But I think, uh, I think a lot of bodybuilders, like they just get so honed in on, okay, I'm going to eat, sleep and train, and I'm going to try to be the best bodybuilder in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a few of us that, that go beyond, you know, just, okay, we use weight training as an outlet. And some people are people persons, other people are introverts. I was an introvert that turned into more of a people person. Although when the expo is over, I go in my room and I kind of sit in silence and I, I kind of just zone out and I'd rather not go to an after party or be around a lot of people at like a pub or anything like that, because 
I mean, I've been speaking to people all day and I'm wound up, but at the same time, like I, I think the outlet for me after expos is usually going to work out, believe it or not, even if <laughs> six or eight hours on my feet. Uh, I, I just love it, man. And, and, you know, bodybuilding was one of those things when I started at, you know, 18, but I had a love for it at 12. I said, if I ever become famous in this realm, like I'm going to give everything I can to, you know, show showcase like the thankful, the thought process that has gone through to make me who I was. And I, you know, shoot, I never expected the career I ever had. That's the amazing part. I, I, if you would have told me at 18 when I started this journey that I would have achieved and been as recognized as I was, I would have said, no way, not, not possible. I, I uh, have a story that I've told a lot of people. It's uh, from 2001. And um, it's back. Uh, we've me and Dusty have joked about your old uh, uh, cuts 260 at AOL.com email. Cuts 280. Cuts 280. Cuts 280. Cuts 280 <laughs> at, at AOL.com. Actually, actually, you know what? I think it was 260. And then I went up to 280, so I had to change it to 280. <laughs> he had to change his email because he got bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because Dave, Dave was Dave was huge 285. And you yeah. were cuts 260. And I just remember everyone, everyone from back in the day that was on like the inner circle that had Jay Cutler's email address. They all get that joke. But I, I remember being just like a nobody kid who was doing like my second big show. And I emailed you like a carb question. And you were like three weeks out from the Olympia. And I don't know why I emailed you. Something off the board. I thought, oh, fuck, I'll see if Jay will answer me back. And you answered me back within like 30 minutes with like this like kind of detailed thing like you put some thought into it and looking back now like you were way ahead of the curve of fan engagement i have not heard a story of that like it's similar to that from that era from anybody else mm -hmm. and and you know nowadays obviously engagement is everything but you were doing it 20 years ago and did you foresee it being that important or did you feel some sort of duty to respond to these kids did you feel like like what was driving you to take that time being so tired three weeks out all that stuff that was a big year too that was oh one i had um great influence you know i have to give a lot of credit to chris Cicito, who you guys both know well mm -hmm. uh he kind of took me under the wing early right we met when i was about 18 and a half uh so six months into training is when i actually got to meet chris Cicito, and it's a long story but he came through, took a look at me, wrote me out a little diet, and I stuck it on my refrigerator. And, you know, he came back a few couple months later and said, man, this kid's going to be something, right? So um, <laughs> he kind of he taught me about the mail order. And I would handwrite letters because at that point we were putting our P.O. boxes in the magazines. And I would handwrite letters to the fans because I wasn't a fast typer. I never was a, you know, I never used, that was typewriters. This is prior to Internet. So. Uh, you know, I remember using the computers in, in 1998 um, is when I started the, the AOL, you know, the dial up email. Right. And uh, and then, you know, I just started corresponding with people all around the world. And I mean, you were a Canadian. And I remember, you know, you used to buy from the website, like you used to get shirts and stuff. And I remember you trying to you struggled to get that pro card like more than anyone ever right <laughs> well so, one of the guys yeah yeah there's a lot of so, there's a lot of struggle on this on this side of the uh, broadcast uh, jay <laughs> so, so i mean i just remember like you were so close every year and and but anyway I, you know i always like i told you man I, i'm never i was never above anyone because i learned from guys like both you guys i watched your articles i watched videos and 
Like I, it didn't matter what level I was on. I always looked into how people function and, and Hey, if I have a body part that I'm trying to improve, let me try this. And you know, you guys, I mean, you're both big guys, right? So we had something in common where, you know, I never looked at the guys, to be honest, like a Lee Brada routine as much. And like, um, you know, the smaller statue guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I never followed like a Dexter Jackson workout program. I'll be honest, as I'm a fan of his, but I always looked at the, you know, the Coleman or the Dorian Yates's and, you know, people like yourself, even, you know, on the amateur level. So uh, it was, it was something that I looked upon and um, I appreciated anyone that reached out to me because I knew what it was like being on the other side at one point, right? Yeah. When it comes to the kind of the early days of your career, um, you know, from from the time you started training, I mean, you you were you were with your 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 ex wife. You were with her for the that whole long process. How what was the conversation like in the early years, like? Cause you said how back then you functioned as a team and she was working to support you were full-time bodybuilder, all that stuff going on. How, how was the goal talked about? Like, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's such an interesting development to the level you got to given that you set out as a high school kid to do that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the goals weren't like, Hey, I'm going to be the best bodybuilder. It was like from like show to show. Right. So it went from, okay, I'm going to compete at the local level. Right. And then I went to, I want to qualify for team nationals and I won that. Um, and then it was like, okay, go into the men's open. Let's choose a show in California. I chose one show and then I got my pro card at nationals. Right. So it was like, okay, who am I up against? And you know, what, what's my expectations. And truthfully, the amateur was a quick run for me. Uh, I was, I was a very uh, competitive amateur and I was hyped to be the next guy. Right. And then once I got to the pros, it was kind of more of a, okay, we have to take a step back and kind of plan and choose what shows they're going to be. But it was never the fact and I can honestly tell you guys, like I never planned on being the best bodybuilder until I stood next to Ronnie in 01. And it was like one, two decision. And then I said, wow, I can actually win this thing. That was the first time. And, you know, Chris will talk about my mindset going in. And yes, I said I was going to win, but I didn't envision myself winning until I actually got that opportunity to stand next to the best in the world. And then I could size myself up and say, wow, the, the crowd is actually working in my favor somewhat. Uh, this is an opportunity for me to kind of run with it. And that's when I I never looked back after 01 pretty much. I knew I would be the best bodybuilder in the world at some point. Um, did take a little longer than I would have liked it to take in. But um, and then from there, it just I became more of an open you know business guy. And, you know, you guys can watch the videos back in the day. I was very focused. Uh, I loved the, the training aspect. I hated the competing part. Um, I loved going against Coleman. Uh, when I won the Olympia, it was more that I beat Ronnie Coleman rather than win the Olympia. That was honestly my my out, like my what I got out of that. Uh, and then I realized, oh, wow, I'm Mr. Olympia too. Uh, and that made a huge difference in my career, which was pretty amazing at that point because I had been second best in the world for so long. I wanted to ask you about uh, – uh, Working with working with Chris, he often would refer to 2003 and call it the year of Jay. And he said that a lot. Like that was like one of his like years where he said nothing could go wrong, you know. And and uh, w- what what was happening in your world at 2003? You were just winning every single show, and then eventually you ran into Ronnie, and it just happened to be his great year. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, I, I think the run really started. I can tell tell you guys, and, and this will kind of bring you back, I'm sure, at points of your career, but like all one from all one forward, it just really started to click, right? You kind of mm -hmm. got the confidence, which started at the Olympia. And then I pretty much stayed on a diet and I won the Arnold in 02, right? And then I moved to Vegas and I sat out the 02 Olympia. And then I said, I'm going to get my mindset on 03. And that's when I started with, you know, Ironman, Arnold, San Francisco Pro. Uh, and then, of course, prepared for the Olympia and then went against, you know, the best Ronnie Coleman ever. Uh, and that was the point where it was like, OK, I didn't have to do a lot of cardio. I was training consistently. Uh, I was doing the volume. I didn't have to, to change anything. Like there was no second guesses. I was getting in shape. The body was just at that point, right? Where it was, I was 30, I was around 30 then. So I think, you know, zero pain, zero injuries, uh, zero stress. Like financially I was supporting myself well, I was traveling. Um, but I had a really good balance and I think that's really what really was like made it so much easier, you know? So it was mm -hmm. like, you know, when you don't have to do a ton of cardio and get in shape and you can just focus on, I was training twice a day at that point. And I look back then and I still think training twice a day always was more beneficial for me. So I would do a larger body part in the morning. I'd go back in the afternoon and I would do, a, you know, a smaller body part, but I would, I would get up at six every morning. I would train by seven 30. I would train my second session at two and I was in bed by nine. So it was a very structured lifestyle. And that's one thing being a contracted athlete, I was able to really just like hone in and, and treat it like a, like a real job. Right. And I was still doing the business. I was running the mail orders, you know, guest appearances were done. I would cut those prior to, you know, 12 weeks, 16 weeks out from the shows. And, uh, we just had a solid run that year. It was just, you know, everything was just full go. One of your most famous quotes, uh, that everyone just loves a, you know, is that, I lived in a fucking box to be the best. And did you just sort of look around one day and realize that you had built this box for yourself? Or do you remember actually, you know, going inside it and closing the door at one point, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically, I guess? It was the mindset, Ron. It was the honing out of any kind of distraction. So when I say a box, you know, I had my gyms I trained at, I had my meal time times, um, and I had a small community, right? So uh, it, there was nothing really that changed day to day for me. Like I told you, like I can sit here and I'm recalling 2003 and I can tell you exactly the times I trained. I can tell you the exact workout schedule. It was three on one off, two on one off schedule. I had it down to a science. And I did the same workouts every single week. I did the same uh, movements in the same exact order, same repetition, same weights, uh, and great results. And I don't believe in changing anything. If you have things just in sequence and you see progression, like it's very, very easy to do. So when you live a very simplistic lifestyle and you guys can both relate to that, right? When you train for a show, there's no other world, right? Think about that structure around an off-season, too. Like, I wasn't going out and doing activities. We didn't really go to dinners. Uh, you know, if, if anything going out, that was the 
that would what we would be doing is going to dinner, but it would still be eating on the same kind of diet other than sushi probably is what we ate out most. But I think it was more just, you know, the chicken rice diets and that worked well for me. Yeah. Did you even did you even like watch the news or anything during that time or would you just tune your mind out too? Um, I didn't really, I don't think I turned even the televisions on much, to be honest. And it, it's crazy because you guys, people watching this are probably like, man, what a lifestyle, right? Um, <laughs> remember, we didn't really, like, YouTube wasn't popular back then. No, I mean, I not right? So we weren't, we weren't killing time on the internet like we are now. Like, we weren't killing time on our phones. Yeah, smartphones didn't, I mean, I remember telling people, hey, I'm going in the gym, uh, call me in a couple hours, I'll be done, and the phone would stay in the car. Like, we weren't filming. I remember when Mitsuru Okabe would come film uh, all my DVDs, and he would film Battle for the Olympias, and I literally would be like, damn, he's coming this week, and I don't want him around me tr what, to film my training. Like, I had to, like, put my mindset forward and say, okay, this is going to be distracting to have a camera in my face. Mm -hmm. but I used to tell him, listen, do not bother me. Don't, like... Don't ask, don't like, let me train and let me just do what I did. And that's, that's what I always loved about my videos versus like, I'm not going to sit there and say Ronnie's weren't realistic, but like he did these, like he squatted 800 and yeah, it's impressive. But like some of his videos, he trained like the real Ronnie Coleman, but like and nothing was fake in my video. Like what you saw me ate and what you saw in my days, home with the dogs, you know, the training. Uh -huh. That was exactly how I did it on everyday basis. I didn't change gyms to have a better atmosphere or anything like that. It was just, it was just automatic, and I loved that it was raw, right? That's that's what we don't see as much nowadays. Is even people that film their YouTube stuff, like it's not as raw, and, and that's what we kind of focus on with JTV. Is like, hey, I get up in the morning, my hair's all over the place, right? Um, I got up this morning, did my cardio, I jumped in the swimming pool and here I am doing this, this broadcast with you guys. So it's like, you know, I just believe in raw stuff because that's real and that's how people are going to relate and that's how people are going to learn. Right. Well, when, when, when I was watching you back in the day, I think what was funny and obviously I listened to the podcast you did with Fuad, um, and he was talking about how you used to be <clears throat> introverted yep. and then you became more extroverted. But what I found interesting was what I was drawn to following you was I literally felt like before we ever met, I knew you. I knew your dog's name. I knew your wife. I knew, I mean, I just, I knew your thing. I always wondered back in the day because that was something no one else did. And I mean, I just literally copied it. I was like, because I realized like, yeah. I don't really care <laughs> to watch Jay in the gym. I mean, it's fine, but we've all seen curls. Like yeah. it's not that exciting to me. But going, oh, okay, so that's his, that's Scrappy, that's, you know what I mean? And on down the list, you start to feel like you actually knew somebody. Was that intentional or were you just living life and it just happened? That was just me. And that's, <clears throat> if you guys know me on a personal level, like it's, it's like anything goes. You know, I, I'm not much of a conversationist, but like when you ask me to speak, I'll speak a lot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm more of a, of a jokester more than I don't really take things as serious as I, I people thought I was very robotic, which I think I was. I, that person's kind of dead now, to, in my opinion, because if, if you asked me right now to say, OK, let, why don't you get the mindset, go back and train for the Olympia? I don't think I could do it because I couldn't even put myself in that realm again because I had a different vision then. And obviously things have changed drastically in the business itself. Um 
and and not for the better, in my opinion, honestly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was just me. Like, that was what I was. And if you met me, and hopefully, like, when we met, Dusty, you, you were like, okay, this is the guy that I knew from the videos, right? Nothing really mm -hmm. changes. And, you know, I was respectful to my peers, um, even people like yourself. You were an amateur, you know, when I was at that level, right? Yeah. Um, and you were an up-and-coming guy, and, and uh, you know, it's I was appreciative towards all you guys, and, you know, and I just wanted to be a real person. That's what it really came down to. I think it's funny, though, because you do have a um, – you had a way of – because you were just being yourself and I think, and, and I, it's like I said, and some of it you're, you're borrowing and I know Ron's the same way and some of it's just the way life is. But I mean, I remember, cause obviously I was traveling and, and making money long before I was a pro and I'd see you at the airport in Germany or something. And I mean, everyone, people think they know your schedule. Then there's people like me that's closer that also think we know your schedule. And then there's your real schedule, which is even beyond that. But anyone I've ever talked to, Ron, me, anyone, it's like, I'd see you and you'd like break stride, come back, check in, what's going on, cool, say something about, you know, because Todd obviously does my videos and did yours for a long time as well, um, and kind of be on your way. And I always remember thinking like, fuck, how do you have time for that? Like, because if I'd seen you and it just waved, I'd have been like, cool, like, <laughs> non-issue, obviously, but that is a story I heard so many people say with you, so it's kind of funny when when you were robotic, that was still at your peak, but you were doing, it was both, you know what I mean? So it doesn't really surprise me when you take away the bodybuilding part that it became easy to do that full time. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's with me. It's like, I still like, it's funny now I, I, I flip through, you know, the YouTube stuff when I'm eating in the morning and, you know, I see all your stuff on there. I see food ads. I see what everyone's doing. I see Chris Bumstead stuff and, like, I watch it, you know, and I'm a fan of all these stuff, even these YouTubers. And, you know, a lot of bodybuilders, they, they rag on, like, uh, you know, the different divisions, right? But I'm a fan of, like, all divisions now um, because I like the personality of some of these guys and I like what they do. And I like to try to see, okay, what is this generation compared to, like, when we're going back in time right now? Like, how am how is I different, right? And, and mm -hmm. who's, who's the most similar to me? Because I'm still interested in, like, is there anyone with the mindset that I'm whatever? But I, what I like to do is when I always like had this thing, when I walked into a room, I tried to acknowledge everyone because there's always some sort of tension, especially when people don't know me and they, they've only seen me in pictures or watch videos or whatever. So I try to like say, okay, let's break the ice because you know, the, everyone, we all share the same thing, right? We all have passion towards fitness and whatever. A little bit frozen. A lot, but hey, you just froze for a second there. <laughs> Damn, this is a that's a problem with the internet. Um, so with you know, I just try to acknowledge everyone and make everyone feel welcome. Yeah, yeah. What I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I, not all, not not just the good times, but you know, um. 2008, when you lost the title, um, I mean, as a fan, obviously, I assume that's one of your lowest points in your career. Um, what exactly do you think happened that year for you to not be the Jay Cutler that you had been, you know, from 2001 onward? Um, 
it started in 07. You know, I, yeah. was, I, had, an, I had an infection in 07, my shoulder. Um, almost pulled out of the show, actually. I came in off. Uh, lost to Victor, which was controversial, right? And <laughs> and then 08 came, and I wasn't at my best there either. And then I lost to Dexter. Uh I don't know. I think I got a little complacent, to be honest. I mean, looking back now, um, I thought it would be easy. I didn't think I had the competition that I had in the past. Uh-huh. So I th- never thought Dexter Jackson would beat me, ever. And I, I didn't come in at the prejudging like I should have. And obviously, Night Show, I did come back better, but I still lost, and deservingly so. Um, but I knew I could come back and win it. Like, that's when I came back behind you, that poster behind you in 09 and, you know, but I think you get complacent with stuff sometimes. Like I tell you, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the competitions. Like I can sit here and now and say, I hated it. You know, I hated competing. I didn't enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I did it because I was forced to. Um, and when I retired, it was the greatest day of my life besides the first day I started training. Um, I, like I said, I love training in the gym, but I hate, hate being on stage i love when i get on stage in the crowd response but that's it i hate the process getting there um i hated the tensions i hated the hype uh and it, there wasn't one thing that was really necessarily enjoyable i didn't enjoy the competition if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah it actually totally does I, i've heard that from a lot of people i mean it was my least favorite part of the process too you know um what so you lose to dexter are you standing on stage thinking I'm going to win this back or does it take a while? Like, does it take a day or a month or uh, like, does it take time for you to, to know you're going to win it back or to well, get pissed uh, off? <laughs> yeah. At first I thought okay, I was relieved, right? I was relieved because the pressure wasn't there. Cause now I don't have the title. Right. Uh, but then, um, I wanted to quit and I said, okay, I'm done. And then the next thing I turned around and, I thought about a month after, like, okay, I'm going to come back and win it. That's really what happened in my mind. How, how did you do with the, um, cause I remember as, as a fan, uh, hearing like, you know, they're, they're doing the, as the Olympians leading in, who's getting what. And it's like, all right, I got Jay in fifth. I got Jay in third. I got Jay. And I remember as a fan going, what? Well, what are you talking about? Like how? Because it, you know, it's it's amazing. <laughs> he's he's the guy that beat Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, the, the the way the sport is, I guess you're the their favorite, and then you win too much or whatever. And I, you know, as as Lee Priest used to always say, everyone hates a winner. Um, how did it like? Did that motivate you at all uh, leading into the show, seeing that? Because I remember, I mean, literally, there's two moments in my fan life that I'll remember forever. One being 03 when Ronnie walked out because it was just the freakiest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then two, for sure, and pr- the most exciting was actually in, in 09 when you came out and you walked out about 10 steps and just stopped. Mm-hmm. And I remember the crowd being like, oh, fuck, well, this is done. I mean, it was over. You could have yeah. just walked off the stage. Like, was that motivating along the way? Was it, did it piss you off? I mean, what was it? Yeah, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> you gave me goosebumps when you said that because, like, I knew – when I stepped up those stairs, if you watch the video, like there's a video of when I'm coming up and I look out into the crowd and I knew, I knew, yeah. I, like I knew cause backstage it was when I took my clothes off. I remember, um, Tamer, you know, Tamer who promotes now, yeah. 
and his brother are standing there and just they're like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like they were just standing there like, like, oh, my goodness. And everyone was just like, oh, boy, like this is this is something we've never seen. So I won backstage, you know, right. and, and I, I knew that I was I was confident. I remember, you know, not two hours before prejudging, you know, Hani helped me that year. And we're in this this uh, residence in which was over by the convention center and and him and his wife, you know, I, I remember posing and his wife was like, oh, my God, like, and I did, I thought something was bad. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, like, she couldn't believe it. And he's like, you've got to take a picture of this. And when they showed my backside, like, it was just something I'd never seen before, you know, ever. And that's when I said, okay, it's, it's, this is a wrap, you know, and it was redemption. Um, it was redemption, and I kind of, if you go back to, like, the my, the fan response, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately, right? I mean, I, I don't blame that. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, Jay's done. Even Flex Magazine went against me, and, and uh, you know, that was my contracted magazine. And I remember I couldn't wait to leave that magazine um, when it was done. I signed with MD mm-hmm. um, because they, they treated me so poorly. Um and then, of course, that cover where I ripped the that was my favorite flex ever, where I ripped Phil Heath and Dexter Jackson in half. <laughs> but it was just like everyone had given up on me except for the people around me. And it was the best team I ever established training. Um, I had a gr- great group. Um, my mindset was like zero pressure. It was like it was kind of like oh one all over again, like go for broke. And I loved that when Chris used to tell me we're going for broke, you know. Uh, yeah, I had switched coaches a little bit um, for, you know, different reasons. I mean, I've talked about in that in the past. I just wanted to try something different. And, you know, my effort was definitely more. I mean, I was beaten down in 08. So I said, I got to come back in nine and win this thing. The only problem was, is I never, I never would, I think it can get better. Right. It can't ever get better than that 09 victory. Right. And it never did. It never did. I should have retired then. Um, I came back in 10 and won again, but it was, it was just like a lackluster, like, okay, whatever. I won another one. Right. But Oh nine, it was like so much excitement. I could have been one of the greatest moments ever. I mean, it's the only time in history it's been done. Uh, we'll see if Phil Heath can do that this year, reclaim the title, but you know, he's still not going to win it the next year. You know, it's different when you come back after losing it the year prior. Right. It's also totally different because for that same thing, like you said, the fans and the magazines, I guess you're right. Like they never went against you because it was literally, I remember like when you stopped, everyone was team Jag. I mean, I saw Ronnie's mom and Dexter's mom, like pro out there, Jay Cutler shit. Like, <laughs> like every, everyone was team J once that happened. And I just remember thinking like, I'm so glad I'm here for this mm-hmm. because right now that I don't, I mean, even with Phil and I'm excited he's coming back, but Nothing will be that moment again because it was just like, holy shit, <laughs> what just happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were like 290 pounds, by the way, just because you looked so big that year in my head. 255, right? 255 yeah. and 09? 40, uh, 254, yeah, 254. Yeah, and I remember you how, You looked like you were like literally 282. It was so big. My, <laughs> my favorite part about 09 was at the night show because um, I hadn't seen prejudging. I only went to the finals. So I didn't know what was going Idiot. on. The first guy out, the first guy out was Branch. And I remember thinking it was like the craziest Branch I had ever seen in my life. 
like he was just the best. And then every guy after him, I was like, nope, 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 nope. And what number were you? Like number 14? You were last. No, I was second, second to last. Dexter, because Dexter, Mr. Olympia is always last. Yeah, I was like second to last or something. So you're like, what, number 16 or something? Yeah, yeah. So the whole show went by, and I was like, Branch is winning, you know? And then you came out as like, oh, there we go. That's, <laughs> that's the show. <laughs> and Branch, you know, we were teenagers together. He beat me in the Teenage Nationals. And uh, I love that guy's work ethic, you know. I mean, that's a guy that loved to train. And I, I, I always wondered if he loved to compete because he did compete a lot probably more than I did. Um, but that was his best. I think that was the best branch warrant we ever saw. And, I mean, I was very happy to stand next to him once again. I mean, I was kind of shocked that Dexter was pushed to third that year. But, uh, you know, Branch definitely deserved, um, you know, if I wasn't there, he may have won the Mr. Olympia, right? Sure. Yeah, there's a whole crew of just those crazy level guys that came up with you. But Branch was kind of the original teen nationals guy that had a had a victory over you all those years. Yeah, was- and that ate me up to be honest. <laughs> that ate me up, you, know, and, you know, because I didn't I, I didn't win any overalls. Like I didn't win the teen overall and I didn't win the nationals overall. Willie Stalling beat me the ninety-six nationals when I got my pro card, and you know, that was when they you know, you got it for each class, but man, it, it ate me my whole career. And, you know, when I won the Mr. Olympia, I was like, damn, you know, I should have won those other ones too. Like overall, <laughs> that team nationals overall, yeah. Dude, you know, you're a bodybuilder when that you're thinking back to team nationals. You just won the Olympia. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whenever I write my titles and I say, okay, what's, what's, you know, let me go back. And, and I'm like, damn, how come I can't put the overalls on these two national shows, you know? <laughs> And I was always disappointed, too, because I didn't have my picture on the wall and the national winners at Gold's Gym Venice. You know, it was Willie Stalling up there. Although I, I, bet, do- you he's, I bet you he's willing to switch now if you want to. know, that was so funny. You know, he reached out to me later and, you know, and Branch was always so respectful. I remember in 01 when I, you know, Branch wrote to me and he's like, man, you know, you, you really deserve to win this, you know, and. Like he was so respectful and we weren't super close even back then, you know, but uh, it was just all everyone came out of the woodwork to support me through my career. And, you know, the guys just were always respectful and that I'm, I'm a huge fan of everybody. Everyone has a certain place for me. Like when I go to this Olympia and watch in 2020, like I want to see Brandon win. I want to see Dexter. I want to see, you know, Phil come back and win it. I'd love to see Bonnick. I met him when he was the nobody like very small Roly Winkler I met when he first started training. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see Roden come back and do it. Like that would be a phenomenal story. Um, I love Steve Kuklo. He's my guy, you know, I, I mean, there's just so many guys that, that really, I mean, Rami, I'd love to see just pull a rabbit from the hat and just come in like, like we expect him to. Right. Uh-huh. So many guys, like, I think it's an open, very open field this year, man. Like, Oh yeah. There's not a lot of guys that you're like, okay, he's automatically going to win. I'm not so sure Phil Heath, Heath can come in and just dominate like he had in the past. I mean, I think Brandon's a pretty good force right now. Especially if he improves. Yes. What about Flex Lewis in the open? Yeah, yeah. there's another guy. I mean, I was with him this weekend, and, like, he's going to shock us. I mean, Hottie Chupin shot. I, I called the Hottie Chupin thing last year. I knew he'd do great. Um, but I think Flex Lewis can cause a lot of damage up there. He's definitely going to 
put a wrench in it. And I just hope all the guys can show up and compete because yeah, that's the scary part. <laughs> and if they all show up, I mean, guys, this, we're looking, this could be one of the greatest Olympias ever, you know, honestly, because it's a very uh, even field right now. Yeah, it's not like the, like, I mean, truthfully, my entire, since I started watching bodybuilding, it was always a one or two man show. Yes. You know, I mean, always. I remember thinking like, man, how bad would that suck? You're getting ready for the Olympia. You're a, you're a top in the mix guy. And it's not even conversation. Jay or Ronnie? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, Jay or Phil? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for me, but it wasn't so fair for some of the other guys. I mean, for a lot of years, it was myself and Ronnie as the kind of predicted too. But it's so funny. I used to have to battle the, oh, this guy's up and coming. I went through the Gustavo Bedells and the Gunter Schleerkamps and the Dexter Jacksons and, you know, uh, all the newcomers that were always going to take position, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I, I didn't get into the hype much. The magazines were really kind of the hype machines back then. It wasn't social media. A lot different nowadays because people have their favorites or whatever. Um, but I don't think pe people have learned, uh, have lost what the uh, process of bodybuilding is, in my opinion. They don't really know. I think as the internet expands, like the less people are better at judging these guys. Um, oh, yeah. So you go to a show and you both know sitting and watching from an audience is way different from watching online. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it actually, you know, and then we find ourselves critiquing the show based on the videos and pictures. And then you realize after you've given your opinion on, everyone that you weren't there <laughs> and you know it's just not the same hey what's going on guys scott mcnally here i'm going to jump in with a quick break and then we will get right back to the show by the way guys if you're listening to this on itunes do me a favor and leave us a five-star review all that stuff will help to uh, boost us up so that other people can find our programming. All right, guys, we're going to take just a brief pause to shout out truenutrition.com. I've been using them for years now, years long before they sponsored our programming. And so has Skip and so has Scott Stevenson and so has Dusty Hanshaw. In fact, those guys knew the owner, Dante Trudell, for years now, since back before he even had True Nutrition. He's the creator of DC Training, which we talk about all the time, and he's also the creator of True Nutrition. He developed this company so that he could offer bodybuilders high-quality supplements with no flashy marketing, no gimmicks, none of the stuff that would boost the pricing up. This way, he could sell products for next to wholesale pricing and make sure that he kept them as high-quality as possible. I back everything sold by truenutrition.com. You can get everything you need from all your protein powders to plant-based protein powders to whole food vitamins and fish oil to performance supplements like your NO products like citrulline, malate, and beta alanine. Anything you could possibly think of, you can get there at True Nutrition. And if you use our code ADVICES, that will let them know that you support our programming and in turn, They'll continue to support what we are doing. So once again, that's truenutrition.com and our code advices supports our podcasts. Plus it'll get you a discount. I also want to shout out getazoth.com. That's A-Z-O-T-H. Azoth is on the cutting edge of brain supplements. Increasing focus and attention, live in the zone, cognition and memory to process faster and think deeper, improves mood, controls stress, plus energy and motivation, start strong and finish stronger. Whatever you're investing your time in, the idea of nootropics is to get more out of it, to get more accomplished and to be more effective at what you're doing. 
I use nootropics to help boost my cognitive abilities while I'm podcasting, adjusting diets, and dialing people in on their contest preps. Azoth 2.0 is great for performance enhancement at my desk, but it's also great for performance enhancement in the gym. Check them out. You can go to getazoth.com. You can go to the Amazon link. Both of those are in our show notes. And we also have a code. Advices10 will get you 10% off at either of those sites. That's A-Z-O-T-H. Thank you guys for listening to our ads. Thank you for supporting us by shopping with our sponsors and using our codes. And if you have any questions, reach out to me at Scott McNally one on Instagram or hit me up at the advices radio group on Facebook. I remember talking to Chris about that with, uh, with Dorian, like his last win. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, that could have went either way. And Chris is like, no, no, (laughs) like, no, it could not have went either way. I can say firsthand, like when I went for 95 Olympia for the first time, and I remember thinking Dorian Yates, you know, his arms were okay, his legs were okay, had the crazy calves in the back and whatever. But when he walked out, it was like, okay, lights out, everyone else's. And Nasser looked amazing that year. He got third. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Sean Ray or Kevin Lebron was second. And those yeah. guys, but Dorian blew everybody away. And it didn't matter. Like his arms and legs and whatever looked better than everyone else's on that stage, just not in pictures. Right. But condition was like something you've never seen. I mean, in today's era, Dorian H would still smoke everybody with because he just had that crazy condition and he was bigger than everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I hate when they compare eras of bodybuilding, um, even standing next to me. Like, yeah, I had some muscle, but I don't think I could have beaten Dorian Yates. Honestly, I couldn't have, you know, even the 09 version. Like, it was good, but it was just a different era. Like, right. His conditioning was second to none. When let's, uh, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you, your longevity in the sport uh, was, you know, something that not, you know, you mentioned all the guys that came and went, you know, the Gustavos and all those guys that came and were really, really great, but they just didn't didn't have the longevity you had. Um, you know, your training was very instinctual, but. but Looking back, what was some of the riskier things you did in the gym that, you know, maybe you think, oh, maybe I didn't have to do that. I'm glad I didn't do too much of that. Yeah, not that much. You know, and early on, I was more of an ego trainer. So I would squat a ton and I would strain my legs. Or I remember even, in you know, when I was coming up in 04 and I was watching and training with Ronnie in the off season and he would stick to barbell bench pressing and inclining barbell. I mean, his routine on a Friday uh, or no, Saturdays he did chest. It was flat bench barbell, um, incline barbell and decline barbell. That was the three movements that we did nine sets total. That would be his chest workout. So I started doing that on the weekends. I traveled with him, which was a lot. So I remember, you know, going up to four or five on the flat bench and you guys know how dangerous that is. And uh. I, I started cranking and I was strong so I could you bang out rep after rep. And I remember, you know, twice I strained my pec doing flat bench presses and finally I got away from that. But, you know, that was the thankful thing about Chris. Like he worked as, you know, not only my nutritionist, but he gave me training advice and he was working with some great athletes, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Francois, like all these guys. So he was able to give me insight on, okay, this is how you should train and just to be a little smarter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, And fortunately for me, I didn't need to get bigger guys, right? So it was never like, oh, I need to put on a lot of size. I mean, when I was fighting Ronnie, it was, yeah, I needed to be a little bigger. But I never was going to step my training up to do an 800-pound squats or even 600-pound squats. Like he did 600 when we were on the road. 
on our Friday trainings. I remember doing legs with him and I'd go up to four plates aside and he would go up to six plates aside, you know, uh-huh. and I just, I knew to, to, not to do that. Um, we do walking lunges. I'd go up to 225 walking. He'd go 315. I mean, this is when we we're on a road trip. <laughs> Dehydrated, not sleeping. Those are the worst. <laughs> flying and stuff. And I said, man, you know, and, and I used to think in the back of my mind, is this what it's going to take for me to beat this guy? Uh, but I found kind of my own path and I rode it out, right? I waited and, and waited and I knew that anyone could come on, come in on or off. And I saw him start slipping in 05. And that's when I knew in 06, I had his number. But let's be real. I said it in every single interview I've ever done. Ronnie Coleman got older and I was, you know, there in line. But I just I hung on. I kept going. I avoided the injuries. I tried to train smart. You know, I was doing all the tissue work and really taking care of my body, which I do a lot of tuning still to this day. Um, I get up every morning. I stretch. I do my cardio for an hour. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the nutrition. I still eat super healthy. And I think when you eat quality foods, your muscle tissue is going to react a lot different. There's going to be less inflammation. Um, so it, it, it's all a, a big, it's a general circle of, of health and wellness. And, and let's be real. I mean, when we trained, I mean, obviously I took what I had to take to get to that level mm-hmm. and, compete and, and, you know, the main thing was, is I always tell people like when you, when you take, you know, uh, steroids or whatever else, like you're using it mostly in my profession to cut down and not, not necessarily to put on more size, right? It's about holding that size and leaning down at the same time. Uh-huh. So I look back at that and I say, okay, the biggest risk I took is probably what I put into my body. But at the same time, you know, I feel like I was careful about it, but there's no question uh, to the extreme that we had to uh, compete at. Um, I don't think bodybuilding in general is super healthy. Um, I'm just thankful I'm living on the other side and I'm able to continue to train with no restrictions and I'm still doing the best I can uh, to maintain a, a decent physique, uh, you know, more lean down and just uh, functional. What What are you thinking about when you go to the gym now? Um, I'm thinking about a pump. That's about it. Like, how can I get this pump? And I'll tell you guys, it's a lot harder. You know, you guys are both pretty good size still. I, I consider myself like, like people still look at me and they say, oh, you're huge or whatever. But I'm, I'm far from what I used to be. The hardest part for me is like getting a back pump and shoulder pump at this point. I can get my legs pumped, biceps and triceps get pumped, but chest gets pumped. But the back and 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 uh, you know shoulders don't get the crazy pump anymore. So I know for those body parts, like I'm like, man, I'd love to get a pump today. So I try to eat a little more of those days, and and uh, you know I try to focus on exercises that I feel more. Uh-huh. And like I said, I'm not restricted, but I'm not doing. 150 pound shoulder dumbbell presses anymore and i'm not t-bar rowing 10 plates on a on a bar mm-hmm. so i i feel people's pain when they say oh i can't train light i mean i do more squeezing now but the muscle's just not there like it used to you know <laughs> right what what's the thing that you is there anything you hate about you know downsizing in retirement like is there or is anything it all you, awesome? Or is it all <laughs> awesome? Or is it the odd day where you're like, oh, man, I miss having 22-inch arms or whatever? Uh, I don't, you know, I still got the arms, right? But the hardest part is I'm like in between a 2X and an XL t-shirt. <laughs> so, Clothes is about the hardest part. It's like you're tasting a little bit of a too small of a t-shirt size well, there. You know, if I wear a standard shirt, like it's a little too long as a 2X, 
but an XL is a little too tight in the arms and shoulders, right? Yeah. The 2X fits better, but at the length of it. So it's, I'm kind of frustrated when I put on a, a shirt, you know, I, I can wear a shirt when it's brand new once, but once I wash it as an XL, it's like, I can't wear it again. Cause it looks like my little brother's t-shirt, you know, <laughs> you look like that guy by a shirt too yeah. small. So he looks bigger. So, um, <laughs> that, uh, I still get the looks. I mean, still big enough where, you know, definitely my ego was never why I trained. I mean, I never wanted to be walk around and be that guy like flexing and I don't do the, imaginary, you know, lat pose, you know, <laughs> I still get the respect. I mean, the, the track record proves itself. Um, but I don't know. I, downsizing for me is, is good. I think as I'm getting now, I'm 47 now. So the skin doesn't lay as great as it once did. Right. Um, you're using all sort of fancy creams and now, <laughs> but I've noticed like, on the side, like right under my pack, like sometimes when I stand and I take video filming, like me cooking my food, like I'm like, damn, I see a little line there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you hear that, everybody? <laughs> Jay is human and notices that shit. <laughs> I, I still got pretty hefty pecs, you know what I mean? So you got like, there's a lot of muscle there. So as it starts to, the skin was stretched out for all those years, right? So mm -hmm. I'm trying to avoid having loose skin, man. <laughs> I, I love this shit because it's it's so classic like I, I tell people when i'm done i can't wait to get down in size like everyone thinks that you're going to want to hold on forever i'm like man if i get to like 230 buy t-shirts at a store not order these giant tents anymore <laughs> like, uh, you love the 5x's off ebay buddy oh god the sloppy mess yes <laughs> Some of my fashion guys back in the day, oh my goodness. I, I I mean, the pants, like, I mean, way too long because they had a fit. You know, I would tuck them up in my crotch because so my legs wouldn't rub together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, do the same. Do the cardio, right? We tuck the shorts in there or whatever. So, uh, I mean, the shirts, I wore 4Xs. I mean, I, I, was, I was hard to order 4Xs and... But I still look at it and I'm like, God, I look like a clown, you know, wearing those big outfits. Uh, one of my favorite things of yours is in some of your really old videos. Like, I think you're still living out east. Um, you've got, it looks like you cut the waistband off a shirt and use it use it as a headband. It was a, it was a little gym towel, Ron, actually. Oh, you cut a strip off of it? I cut the strip that was like this much. And I, I just, it was a thing. And this is now world famous. I probably sell that headband like... <laughs> Now sell like a market those. Um, and I wrapped it around my head and I was sweating and I'm like, I'm going to put this, this ripped up towel on my head. And I never realized now it would catch. I don't think people cared about it 20 years ago, to be honest. I think now it gets more attention now than it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's the most hard, remember, hardcore headband ever. Yeah, we I, watch Everything gets watched now. So they, they pay attention. I can tell you this week alone, four people have hit me up. I Even today, Val hit me about the headband today. <laughs> he hit me up this morning. He sent me an old video, and he's still reminiscing about how big I was. And he's like, dude, what about that headband? I love that thing. I said, dude, that was a ripped-up fucking headband. You know? <laughs> What's great is it was a video. You might have worn that like once, and we would I never know. I time for that chest video, and you know, I was flexing. And I think I put it on just for like a couple sets. I That's think Val probably, and for us, Val that was it. That was, that was part of your life. 
You're I, training that every day in my brain. I, I put a clip up of you. Uh, I can't remember. It was one of the battle videos from the 90s where you were still living out east and you were driving the old, uh, I can't remember what, what, what SUV you had, that old Land Cruiser. And, and I put that on my story because it was on the screen and I put it on my story. And Chris texts me and he goes, he goes, I've got stories about that truck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can re I remember that was like a big stepping stone to me. I mean, um, man, I could, dude, I could have so many stories. Like, that was like one of my dream cars. That was a 96 Land Cruiser. And, uh, dude, I paid like nothing for that lease. It was like no money at all. And uh, I actually shipped that to California. I used to put Scrappy in there. He would sit outside in the gym. You know, he would sit in the truck and wait for me to get out of the gym. You know, he went everywhere with me. And I used to drive that truck to Maine, and literally I'd drive two hours up to see Chris, literally take my clothes off and pose, hit a couple shots, eat a meal, and then I'd drive two hours back home. And I ran into, like, Paul DeMeo there. I remember when Paul DeLette was staying with him, uh, Mike Francois, all those, you know, he lived on the beach then. Chris had a condo on the beach, and, you know, that's when Laura was competing at the best level, right? She was second in the Olympia. And uh, I remember seeing, like, I passed... Paul DeMeo one time and I'm like, Oh my God, like I can't believe I'm in the same house as Paul DeMeo. You know, he was like, he was my idol growing up. I remember seeing him in flex magazine, all veined up and he had a jackhammer in his hand. Cause he was doing jackhammering for his job at the time. I remember that picture. And it said the Boston mass or something like that. And he was just like all veiny and he had the crazy legs with the jean shorts on. And he was like, damn, I can't believe he works with a jackhammer with jean shorts on, you know, <laughs> You know, every day real life thing in a magazine i remember seeing i mean sean ray was like i wanted to be sean ray because he had the pictures in front of the ferraris with the chicks and i'm like man if i can go to california i'm gonna get a ferrari like sean ray you know but i didn't realize they were rented back then you know <laughs> yeah, you also realized that when you were at that level you were never fitting in a ferrari or a lamborghini <laughs> We uh, I rented one uh, two years ago for the at the, in Vegas just for fun, yeah. and I had to take the top down to get into the Lamborghini just to drive it. So I'd put it back up once I got in, and then we'd get where we we're going. I'd take it down so I could get back out. <laughs> I'm like hard to look cool when you can't even get in and out of the car. <laughs> yeah. What what's what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Oh God. <laughs> like you know a significant amount of money. <laughs> It's got to be something. I can't imagine. It's it's hard. I mean, I actually at one point, you know, I remember, you know, I, I'll tell you just early on, like I remember going and getting my National Academy of Sports Medicine certification. Like I thought I was going to be a personal trainer and I was already a pro. I was, I already competed in my first Olympia. And I remember walking into the class and people were like, the teacher was like a huge fan. He's like, oh my God, Jay Cutler, why are you here getting certification? Like, what, what do you want to get certified for? I'm like, well, I just want to learn, you know? And I didn't realize how in-depth the test was. Like, it was pretty it was pretty in-depth at that time. And, um, you know, it wasn't like a mail order, like, whatever, you have to be hands-on. And, uh, you know, that was kind of one of the crazy things I did early on, thinking, okay, I'll get the certification. I'll start personal training people. And, you know, my career went through the roof. Like, you know, nowadays, like, does anyone have certification online? Like, think how many people we know that are in the fitness industry that train people do diets and yeah. they don't have nutrition background. Right. Um, it's just more trial and error. I mean, Chris Aceto was one of the ones that had, you know, he had the service, he yeah. had the degree, right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, waste of money. I mean, I haven't wasted. I can tell you. I mean, I've done my investments. You know, I bought properties. I bought a lot, a lot of crazy cars, and but I don't think I really spent anything crazy, like stupidly, on money on uh, anything like materially or whatever. You know. What what's the what's the most profitable business that you've ever invested in outside of, you know, actually being Mr. Olympia? Not real estate, for sure. Real, real estate. Yeah, that's why I moved to Vegas. Um, and, you know, that's been very successful for me. I came after 9-11, so I bought at the right time. It kept me in Las Vegas. Um, that was influence of Chris also. Chris, you know, as you guys know, is heavily into real estate now, but. He wasn't back then, but he, I remember him saying, you know, definitely invest your money. Um, but I would say definitely the real estate um, business ventures. I mean, I'm in cannabis now. It's pretty profitable. Um, I do medical stuff. I buy medical liens. I mean, that's very profitable for me, a lot of interest. But, you know, I, I've had great advice. So. What what was the peak, you know, what you're selling the, all your merch, you know, I got this hat out of your garage. What was the peak of your garage running as like, cause you had like, you were cranking like a lot of shirts out of that garage. Yeah. You know, it's a little, a little um, crazy is, you know, Jim shark, you saw the evaluation for Jim shark, right? Over mm-hmm. a billion dollars now. Um, I remember when Jim shark came on, I mean, I had athletics prior to all that stuff and I was running it out of my garage. Um, and I was just doing T-shirts. I mean, I started the brand in 98. I started with, like, Cutler Athletics and the Swole Monkey stuff. Um, I think at my peak, I was doing a million bucks a year out of my garage. Um, that's insane. <laughs> everyone else was doing T-shirts. Like, I think people caught on a little bit. But that's prior to, like, Live Fit and, you know, the mm-hmm. Gymshark years. And, um, you know, you now you have VQ and you have all these other – which are more off-brands of, like um, – more fitness related brands, right? Right. Um, well, the industry changed, so who's yeah. buying shirts changed, you know? The aesthetic, um, the <clears throat> became more popular, um, but I was selling signature clothing brands, you know? I was like, it was the Swole Monkey or the Cutler Athletics or like that stuff was just very popular. I mean, you remember, I remember going to trade shows and I mean, if I didn't come home with $5,000 extra dollars from some of these trade show weekends, like it was, it was a bust. I remember doing... LA Fit Expo or Olympia, and it was like twenty to fifty thousand dollars in shirt sales. You know, I remember at the Olympia. You know, everyone would set up. They had a booth with like an eight by ten and a T-shirt, and then you'd come around the corner, and you guys had the end spot because you had like twenty different shirts you could buy. All the videos. I remember just sitting there, and my brain has always been business, so I would just I would just remember sitting over and watching. And Carrie would literally have a blue bank bag in one hand and she was just the whole time. And you were at the end, you had like four people working for you that were just actually selling the stuff. And I'm like, he's going to make more money at the Olympia before it starts. <laughs> yeah. We had that end space and, and, you know, we had, I had, you know, a, a lot of people, like I said, that was 09 was like the peak year mm-hmm. and meet the Olympians with, that was a big plan is to sell the shirts and really get the merch going. It was more like, hey, you're on the team, like, let's get Team Cutler merch out there. So when the audience, like, people are cheering because I'm back, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was still was the last one to leave, guys. Like, I stayed there until the very end. I remember Hani screaming at me from behind the curtain, like, dude, you need to go home and rest. And I'm like, no, there's still fans waiting. And I think I was there till midnight or something, you know, the night before I had to compete. 
and I just loved it, man. It was, uh, I was very blessed. I, I can remember the DVD sales and like we, I would do a new DVD every year. And I remember having all the girlfriends and friends over here of like all my buddies handwriting out the addresses. Like we'd get the influx on the internet of like overseas people. I remember Dennis Wolf ordered one of the videos one time before he really was super popular. I, I said, I saw it come through and I'm like, man, send him a free video. You know, he was up and coming at the time. Right. Um, but I used to, you know, have everyone packing those DVDs, man. It was, uh, it was crazy. And, and those videos were like really now what make me as popular as I am. I mean, that's what you mostly see is in the motivational mm -hmm. deep, like videos that they make on YouTube, Machiavelli motivation and all those, those are all from those videos. So I'm sure both you guys watched those and, said, man, Jay's training in the middle of the night, and Jay's eating eggs, and <laughs> eating oh. the right steaks. And I used to eat 300 carbs after training, and I remember asking Chris, how am I going to get 300 carbs? He's like, okay, applesauce, put honey on all your food. Um, I eat a whole bag of rice cakes, and whatever it took to get there, I drink 100 grams of carbs, which I used the powdered Gatorade at the time. Yep. Um, it, you know, I'd either buy Carboforce. That's before even uh, Vitargo and then Oh, yeah. Go thing and i mean you guys know it's just like we make shift with everything i mean just find a way <laughs> yeah i mean that's how what it took to be what i was i mean i had to take in the food that was the most important thing in my day so so now that i mean you know blatantly it's not money it's not i mean you can be done whenever you want to be uh, i mean could you could stop today what what keeps you coming back into our industry still? Um, I got a taste of it this weekend because like people come up to me with their stories and and uh, you know I was focused on being the best of me, right? I never mm -hmm. thought when I first started, oh, I want to be famous and and I want to influence people. Like that wasn't a thought process. I just wanted to be really good and make a career of this and really try to be financially supportive of what. I considered my hobby. So what I love is is the reactions and and no one I ever meet seems to want not very few want to be an Olympia champion um, because I deal with all age groups now, right? I mean, guys at 70 years old are coming to see me or women even uh -huh. that just found fitness a year or two prior. Uh, and they followed a, a story of what I did or, you know, how I how I spoke. Um, or they saw the battles with Ronnie Coleman. That battles, those battles with Ronnie Coleman now are so significant in my career. Um, those second places were a blessing to me, right? If it was mm -hmm. just an easy victory, and if I came in 02 and won after 01, you know, close decision, you know, it probably would have changed the whole scope of everything. But those close battles and me coming back time and time again, it give, it's given inspiration, especially for the new generation of even bodybuilders. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the, the feedback. I enjoy being a motivational person because it, I can sit here and do these interviews and I don't have, I'm not a motivational speaker. Like I don't sit there and say, this is how you need to put your mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. I was just a guy, you know, that was an introvert and learned how to speak a little bit. Um, and now I enjoy meeting the fans. I mean, I realize what my true love of bodybuilding is. It's uh, yes. I love the training, I like meeting the fans more than I like competing on stage. I missed when Ronnie quit. It wasn't the same for me. I, the love was somewhat gone. And if you ask me why I was off in 08, that was part of the reason because 
I was awkward without Ronnie Coleman there anymore. Um, and remember, I was trying to figure out what I was. I was trying to figure out, was I want, was I still a mass monster or did I need to downsize? I mean, I won my first Olympia at 270. Mm-hmm. And I was my best at 09 at 254. What does it tell you? I mean, I came down. I didn't have to battle the beast anymore. And that's why I never thought Dexter would beat me. But, you know, to this day, like, I realized that I have a position in this in this business that people have a respect factor and they still want to learn. Um, and sometimes that face to face interaction or even on the Internet, you know, doing these kind of broadcasts, it's it gives people motivation, like listen to my story and realize, holy shoot, that, this guy's the same as me. Like he has the same vision or like he cooks his chicken the same way or he sits, you know, I got this dog sitting on my lap right now. And- <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I live a normal life. And that's what I want people to realize is like, I'm just a guy trying to like enjoy my life and I have a passion for fitness and, you know, and I was able to achieve the greatest achievements sitting behind me, you know? Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dusty, uh, you, you got any uh, fan questions for Jay at all? I've got <laughs> do, I have, do I have any? I, I have a ton. So you can, you can go ahead and toss your first. And <laughs> <laughs> if, if here's, here's a good one. If you had to start a concrete business, but you could only hire pro bodybuilders, who would you hire and who wouldn't you hire? <laughs> Branch is getting hired. For sure. Branch Warren would be the best worker ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody knows that immediately, like Branch. <laughs> what about who wouldn't you hire? No chance. Probably Big Rami. <laughs> Because he's just too big to do anything, I think. Right, he get too hot. He'd be like, oh. but then there, I think that you know, I don't know if he would like to be like if he would work. I, I just see Branch like, I don't know. I could see, I Branch. see Branch taking over the job site. Yeah, yeah. Branch is intense with everything. I, I guess both with him one time, Jay. We were walking through a casino, and he's walking. I thought we were hunting something. Yeah, yeah. I'm running behind him. I finally go, Branch. Where are we going? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, are we going to kill something? (laughs) (laughs) And he just starts laughing. I'm like, He has a certain even walk about him, right? That he's just like. I thought he had a knife. I mean, we were going somewhere. (laughs) Did he ever invite you to go hunting? No, we never really. Because I'm not into, like, I grew up on the farm and I hunted as a kid. And I never want to kill anything, guys. I'll be honest. Like, I was working in his lap. I, I just, you know, my brothers, my brothers hunt still, um, and I had to kill the chickens and stuff. I mean, I used to shoot woodchucks and stuff, and I learned to shoot a gun when I was like six years old. I, I'm just, I have guns, but I'm not a huge fan of. of uh, well, you better have a gun. You live in Vegas. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. It's pretty <laughs> people here. Okay, so. I got one. Um, who's who's one of the most underrated bodybuilders that you competed with that you didn't think got enough love? I, I still say Dexter Jackson. I think he should be like right there with Ronnie Coleman as far as like the greatest ever. You know, I, I think he should be in definitely in the talk of like greatest champions. I think. What's what's your favorite moment with Ronnie Coleman? <sighs> My favorite moment was in Pittsburgh in 2003. We're in a nightclub, okay, in a, like in a, I hate to call it like a bar, like it's a, it was a bar, a club, whatever. 
And I remember like we were kind of like interacting and having a good time, whatever. And Ronnie Coleman sat against the wall and he was in in the plaid, you know, the NPC plaid pants and the matching top. Oh, and he God. Had, and he had the, the sleeves cut because we had just guest posed at Mannion's show. And I was there. Gunther was there. All the top guys or whatever. And we were hanging out. And Ronnie sat there against the wall and he just bobbed his head and they just played hip hop all night, right? And we lit probably there like three hours, right? And Ronnie didn't move once and people were walking by like they would double take because the veins were sticking out. You know, he was 300 pounds. And I remember we got in the car and Rico from MPC says, he said, Ronnie, did you have a good time? And he goes, hell yeah. <laughs> he didn't move the whole night. He just didn't talk to one person. And Ronnie was like, he asked a question and he lit up like a little kid and he goes, hell yeah. And he <laughs> like the whole night, you know. He just sat there listening to Dr. Dre all night, probably. He is the most happy-go-lucky guy that there is. Like he loves, like he just loves his life. And I, that's so great to see. <laughs> that's awesome. I can totally see that too, knowing Ronnie. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have one that uh, a lot of people ask in these ones. Uh, what advice would you give on someone getting into real estate investing now? Um, definitely pick the areas that, you know, probably you'll see an increase in value. Or uh, I would do something for rental properties like multi-units. That's how I would look. But um, don't be afraid to venture out of your comfort zone, meaning like your areas where you live, because there's a lot of great deals across the country right now that you can scoop stuff up and interest rates are really well right now. So it's a great time to take advantage of it. For sure. What about, um, well, you mentioned, uh, I remember you told me a while ago you're in the cannabis industry now. Um, what exactly are you doing? Let everyone know. And, and what do you see happening in that industry over the next, say, five, 10 years? Um, so I started with a medical license that, uh, and now of course it's recreational in Vegas. So I grow flower. So we have a grow facility in North, uh, Las Vegas near the air force base. Um, and so we sell the dispensaries, we grow flower in different strains. So, um, I would definitely like, there's a lot of obstacles. You need a, a heavy, heavy, uh, uh, capital in order to make the move on this. Um, obviously I got in really early, about six years now. Uh, so I was in on the early stages, but, um, you know, this, you just need to have the right balance. You, you know, having great management is super important. Like I've learned, uh, through, you know, hard process that you've got to have someone that knows and everyone's an expert. That's the problem. There's a lot of people that used to grow marijuana legally that think they can do it and pass tests in Las Vegas, but it's, uh, it's a little more difficult than what you think it is. Anything that makes big money is going to be very difficult legally. <laughs> it's, you know, remember, it's not 100% legal anyway. I mean, it's not federally approved yet. You know, it's on a, on a state level. But, uh, you know, for some reason, you still pay the taxes. It's a lot of taxes. Is, it, is, there any, is there any business that you've gone into that you're like, oh, shit, this didn't work. I had to shut this down. I would pull out of this. And you kind of took a bit of a loss on it? I was in the ammo business for a minute, um, uh, cutting and cleaning brass, but brass is really hard to get. Um, so that I have a machine actually that that cuts and cleans ammo. It's a bliss machine, um, and that was probably I paid uh, almost two hundred twenty thousand for this machine. Uh, and right now that machine is sitting because you know I don't have the access to the brass. 
So that's one of the business where I'm not, I looked at it as, as okay, this is someone, someone came to me as more of an investor. And uh, right now um, that machine is not working for me. So if you said it's a loss, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a loss because the machine is still valued, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think ammo business is still a strong business. You just have to have uh, the distribution and obviously it's very competitive with ammo and it's very hard to get right now. Yeah. Everyone's trying to buy it, so. Everyone's stocked up waiting for the election. Yeah. <laughs> it's not getting cheaper. Brass is expensive. They jack the prices. You, you ever think of like uh, running for mayor or politics at all or local council in Vegas or? Never, I never discuss politics or religion. So uh, right. I'm, not a, I'm not a political person. Uh, do I like what's going on? Not necessarily. Um, I did vote for Trump um, back when he got elected. Uh, I will vote for Trump when time comes. So that's about my political stance at this point. Um, but there's a lot of chaos and, and, uh, I understand why some of it's going on. Other things I might not, um, during this, this pandemic, like, you know, this whole mask thing and, restrictive like it's definitely it, it's going to take a toll i mean a year from now is where you're going to see more of the other effects than you will today mm -hmm. with businesses because the banks are going to end up buying a lot of properties back there's going to be a lot of people that pick those up but i think you'll see the effects in a year's time rather than now more than anything do you think that a real estate investor has a um an opportune window here coming up big window and uh people with a lot of capital are going to be very very successful in that in that market. Yep. That's, that's what I've been waiting on some things that I want to do. I'm just, well, I can't do it now. I got to wait. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's going to make me a lot more money soon on these kind of businesses than if I do it now. <laughs> if you're not looking to buy a house, I would definitely look at buying a house now for sure. Cause interest rates are low. Yeah, no, now they're ridiculous. I'm talking more, uh, the, the, the larger buildings and things like that. I'm like, just wait. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Shopping centers. <laughs> um, looking back on when you were a kid, was there an athletic moment or maybe working in, you know, the concrete business or something where you realized you had more work ethic than other people? But did you know there was something different about you early? No, I thought it was normal. I was forced to do the things I did and I, I hated my family for it. Uh, my parent, my dad would drive me out of bed at six in the morning. Uh, my brothers would put guilt trips on me if I didn't want to work. Uh, and I felt like I was, I uh, was, uh, under, you know, I was, I wasn't a privileged kid for sure. Um, but you know, I learned that that really set me up for bodybuilding. That mm -hmm. gave me the backbone of like, you know, Dusty, you asked like, what about the, when, you know, people turned on you and this and that, like. That gave me the kind of introvert atmosphere because I was just forced to work all the time where, you know, I had very thick skin mm -hmm. um, because I was doing things I didn't. It, the more you're forced to do things you don't necessarily want to do, you become, I think, stronger mentally and even physically like that gave me the physique to actually start bodybuilding. So, you know, I, 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 I credit my family now for my success more than anyone where I didn't see that early on, even in my career, I didn't see it early on, but I learned that, you know, that was, that was not taught. It was forced. Right. <laughs> forced. I got a question here. Um, because of Corona, 
uh, and and everything that shut down. What which sport did you miss the most? Uh, I've only really watched basketball and football. I'm not a huge baseball. I love going to baseball games though. That's that's the the funnest thing I enjoy doing. But um, obviously with no fans, it's a little difficult. But football hasn't started yet. I hope they have a season because I will watch some. Uh, I am gonna. I'm watching the playoffs now in basketball, but you know I, I haven't really honed in on a lot of TV. I got when we were on our two week uh, uh, quarantine. I watched um, Ozarks, which I think everybody did. <laughs> Great show. That was the last thing I really watched, to be honest. Uh, I don't turn on the television much. I I watch your podcast and a few other things. So. <laughs> That's funny because, you know, Jay, I got uh, over the last year, I got both of my dogs um, puppies. I didn't realize I hadn't turned the TV on since they were around. And I turned it on one day and they were like, they didn't know what to think. They stopped. They were watching it. They're pacing. And it hit me. I was like, oh, shit, I've never turned this thing on before. <laughs> like They had no idea what was happening. There's sound coming out. I'm like. I this would be interesting. I, I, I think I think it's funny that between the three of us, we have four and a half Yorkies. Because <laughs> you got two, you got two, and my dog's half Yorkie. It's something about shit. Angie brought those when she came into my life four years ago, so I never planned on. After Scrappy, to be honest, like I was like, I can't get another dog. Um, he was 18 uh, when he passed away, and. I was so devastated, but, you know, she brought these little Yorkies, and I remember, I think the dogs moved in before she did. Like, she said, I have these dogs, and I said, can you bring them over? And they never left. It was like, <laughs> Was that her way of, of, of getting stuck uh, in there? It was my choice, and then we travel with the dogs. They We have them as service, and we, they come everywhere. They're great on the planes, and... You know, they're, they're three and five pounds, so they're very small. They're teacup Yorkies. What, when when did you – tell us about when you got Scrappy. Um, I got Scrappy. You'll never you – know, this is a funny story. So I had a breeder that my mom kind of led me to, that bred, bred um, Lassapoos and Cockerpoos, right, next. And he was in Lemonster, and I remember going up there with my – with Carrie at the time, and she's like – we already had two dogs at the time and she's like i said should we get a third and she's like yeah i really want a puppy and i'm like okay so we went up to the kennel it was richard's kennel in lemonster and i remember walking in and they they had a cage set up and there was there was scrappy in a cage like kind of pacing and i said man i feel bad for that dog like can we get this one and she i could see the look on her face was like well you told me we were going to get a puppy and be able to pick up a puppy right and she's like, okay, you know, let's get scrappy. So he was he was returned. He was about six months old. And they said, yeah, that the, the the guy couldn't keep him or whatever. So I remember we brought him home and it was our it was a Friday night and we allowed ourselves one night out a week to eat out. It was a twenty dollar meal, okay, at this place, Beeman's Tavern. Because at the time I was a broke bodybuilder, right? Mm -hmm. Um I think I was I think I was I was around eighteen or nineteen, I think. And so we went to eat our dinner and we came back after leaving them with the other two dogs and the dog and Scrappy tore the whole house up, like ate all the plants and chewed up the pillows. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this a mistake? You know, and then eventually he became like, you know, my favorite. And uh, we had to give the other dogs away and we actually gave Scrappy away to her dad 
and about a month passed and we went to visit the dad and he's, you know, the dog was there. And I remember when we went to leave, Scrappy got up in the window as we were leaving and was looking out the window like, what, you're not taking me with you guys? And the day after the dog started like peeing and crapping all over the house and tearing stuff up again. And the dad's like, listen, I can't keep them because we were, we were moving at the time. And I said, you know what? I'll take him back or whatever. Cause he was going to have to give him away. And I thought that was a sign. Like he was with me ever since he moved to California with me. He became super famous in the bodybuilding stuff. I mean, we, I took him everywhere with me. Like back when dogs didn't go places with people, there was no such thing as service animals then. Uh-huh. Um, but he would travel, he'd sit outside the world gym in Lake Forest and he'd wait for me. And, and, uh, he lived to be 18. He, he died the year I quit, the year after I quit. Yeah, he was there for the whole thing. He was there for the whole thing. So I felt like that was my angel, you know, and I'm very sentimental about my dogs, man. Like I don't have children. So for me, it's like uh, he was just everything to me. And uh, and as you guys know, everyone, any show I went to, hey, where's Scrappy or how's Scrappy or, you know, the videos, he was always there. And then yeah. we, had, we had the Airedales, too, if you guys remember the two big ones. Yep. Those only lived to be 10 years old. They both had uh, strokes and passed away, but I was done with the dogs. I just, and then now with the Yorkies, like they don't leave my side. So, so you're engaged again now, right? Yeah. yeah. So what's, what's it like for, you know, she came into your life after the pro bodybuilding. So what, you know, when she comes into your life and she sees the Sandows and all the bullshit on the wall and like, what, what's her take on the whole thing? Um, she kind of knew about it. She had competed before and, and, uh, you know, with her, she just walked in the room, actually, she's standing here. So I can only say so much. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny because we didn't, um, we didn't plan to, it wasn't like we met and it was like, we were looking, both looking to, you know, settle down. And, um, so she knew kind of my background, but she was of course impressed. Like she had learned more about it. She didn't follow me, but you know, as she got to know me, she realized like, okay, this is a normal guy. I mean, I have one room in my house that that has all those awards and everything else. But outside of that, besides me going to the gym, it's like, I'm not, I don't consider myself a bodybuilder anymore. Um, but she had the passion for competing and she has competed since we've been together. And, uh, you know, the lifestyle fits like the, un, it's understood. And I'm very, very rigid with my routine still which is very, it's very tough on relationships sometimes because of the work schedule. Like whenever I get frustrated, I said, I'm going to the gym to train. And obviously she trains too. We don't necessarily train together, but um, she kind of lets me do my thing and I let her do hers. And, you know, we kind of find that balance. So it always works. What, what do you think, um, me and Dusty have talked about this a lot, but the, the whole bodybuilder is thriving on routine and routine being necessary to be good at bodybuilding. What what do you think comes first, the person who needs routine or does the bodybuilding create the need for routine? Uh, I think you, it depends how deep you get. But I, it's funny, I just did a YouTube video on this this morning for jaywalking, actually. <laughs> and we talked about routine because Dave was telling me how he had, went and shot Flex Lewis like two weeks ago. And he was in a good routine and he's like, dude, I don't know how you do this. Like the balance, the meals and the training and still have the energy to do all this. And then you come home and you get back into the, and you guys both know traveling like crazy, especially Mm -hmm. for international stuff. Like it's hard to fall into that. So, um, 
you need, you know, you create that lifestyle, right? And I taught, that's my box. Like that you're talking about my box because you have to fall into, I mean, we talked about even training with certain outfits. Like when I do legs, I had to wear a certain pair of shorts that draped over my legs the right way when I squatted to make it feel right. I had to wear a certain shoe. I had to train in a certain gym on certain piece of equipment or go under a bar that was in a certain corner because that mirror just worked well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we become very superstitious, right? Like so that, much. Oh my gosh! If I change this, this is going to affect. Like I've had progression, so I don't want to regress, right? So um, I think you create that lifestyle. I think you create that boxy lifestyle. I think it's not for some. Some people can never seem to find the the perfect um, atmosphere. I think if I wanted to give an example and nothing to be negative, like Chris Cormier, right? We always talk about the potential. But Chris would never seem to hone in on, okay, this is the routine. And he used to tell, Chris used to tell me, you're too serious about what you do, Mm -hmm. you know? And then of course I had the success and I think he respects that, but you know, he was a huge mentor to me, by the way, he was very, very helpful with my career. And, uh, but I, I, I always respected the fact that Chris could shut off and then go live his lifestyle. And then he'd come back and, and, you know, diet for the shows and perform, but I just think that you need, in order to have the longevity, you need to have that consistency. Mm-hmm. And I think it spills over into your business. I think it spills over into your relationships and how you live your life. And I think I'm a little too uh, anal about things still. Like I have to sometimes find myself like, wait a minute, Jay, like you're not training for this or, you know, you're not dieting for this. <laughs> Uh, I just think it's a sickness and, and sort of. A- <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, but I think it becomes a, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a personality thing though. Yeah. But when I say a sickness, you both laugh because you know what? It, it's obsessive, right? Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, I, I joke about that all the time because I find the bodybuilders that, that I know that are very successful are like me. Cause if someone said to me, you know, where's your, where's your light soy sauce? I'd be like third shelf up third bottle on the left. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't let people like put shit back in my house cause they won't put it where it goes. Nah. It's uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw, I've seen a few pictures of you standing on a skateboard and um, it, it made me think, um, is there anything that you, is there anything that, you know, if you could have had like a free hour a day, during all those years to do something else, what would you have picked? And it wouldn't have affected your bodybuilding or anything, just like a free hour where you could have done anything else. Um, anything besides my couch, my desk, or the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, something else, something like a free hour. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I do it now. I skateboard, I ride the quads, even if I go up and down the street. One thing I miss, I was an AT, I rode ATVs growing up, I'm jealous as hell of Reagan Grimes right now that he gets to go to that dirt track. And I mean, he's a little big for that 450, but um, I like what he's doing, you know, and people might say, oh, he's crazy. But you know what? That kid's living his life. And and uh, now I, I wish I had a track that I could go to right close to my house like that. Right. You'd ride some ATVs or some dirt bikes? I have him in my garage. Um it's just a little hot in Vegas, to be honest. Like I rode motorcycles. You guys seen the videos. I've had bikes. It's just too dangerous. I, I just value my life so much now that I just I don't want to risk things. You know, it's funny at 25 or even 30, I didn't think past. Oh, when you're 40 or 45, like 
I was one of those guys um, that, like, if if I had to choose, okay, you're going to have to cut your life short, but you're going to be the greatest bodybuilder on the planet, I would have said, okay, I'll, I'll take that. Whereas today, I'm like, damn, I want to live to 70. And I used to think 47 was old as can be, right? Oh, oh yeah. Now, and I'm like, man, I don't look so bad for 47, right? <laughs> Are are you are you doing all the Botox that Dusty's doing? I'm doing Botox. I do it all, you know. That a boy. Damn, See, Ron, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It's not necessarily Botox. It's more like um, uh, some filler and stuff. You start to lose a little bit here, you know. You go in and you need to let professionals work on this. But uh, you know, I, I take good care of my skin though. I wash my face, and I, man, ten, you know, tanning is like the worst thing for you. So I try to stay out of the sun now more. And Dusty's and as hot a place than I am, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's brutal. I laughed when you said that about the bikes. I'm like, yeah, no, there's, there's no, I, I see people on motorcycles. I'm like, you're riding in an oven. Yeah. yeah. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. And, and everyone's on their cell phone driving. So you're going to die. Like, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> and you have a short window where it's like, okay, the fall's amazing, but then it gets cold. Like it gets really windy. The desert breathes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like I got to figure out, OK, uh, if I want to ride and maybe take trips to California or whatever else, you know. Yep. Well, Jay, we've had you for 90 minutes, man. You've been an extremely generous uh, guest. Um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you really, you know, we've been on for a year now and we can't think of a better way to start the second round uh, than with uh, Jay Cutler. Um what do you what do you have? You you don't seem like the type of guy that doesn't have a plan. What what would your plan for the the next couple of years be for for yourself? Uh, you know, I'm working on the nutrition line pretty steadily now. Um, couple of nutrition, I, I've taken that thing um, to a different uh, different level now with more direct to consumer and and uh, Amazon based, um, more interactive. I have the Cutler Club, which is my membership club. So I'm doing live feeds every week with my fans all around the world and, you know, just trying to, to give more information out there. And I'm still putting out the content, as you guys know, with JTV, trying to give these guys a platform that might not be uh, visible on their own platforms. I hope to build the next superstars um, in the future that I think they're going to be more social media than necessarily bodybuilding because uh, unless a Phil Heath comes along, that's just a genetic freak you know which there's some guys out there i'm sure but i just think that the bodybuilders um can't necessarily just get paid to stay home anymore i mm -hmm. mean no being linked to supplement companies like the free paychecks are over right yeah. uh, we don't know where expos are going so uh social media is so it's so has to be so consistent now and i think that's the biggest challenge for me at my age is how, how do i want to put out content and be perceived by everyone other than Hey, I'm just a guy that's living, you know, the dream of retirement. Uh, but I'm still going to do my best to give back. I promote four contests that hold the Jay Cutler name. Um, I'm going to get back to traveling once I'm able to do so. Uh, I was planning to go to FIBO in October. They canceled the fans. I'm actually going to do something uh, viral. Uh, we're going to do something uh, on a live feed. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll get back to these um, these trips next year. I hope the Expos start taking off again and. Uh, you know, I keep training. I want, I want to keep training, man. I want to be the best. I want to be like Mike O'Hearn at 52 or whatever. I know. I know. That's <laughs> my goal too. I I'm, you know, I'll be 45 in October and I, I'm like, man, I just want to keep looking and feeling awesome and being able to do what I want in the gym, you know? Yeah. And I got to tell, uh, 
before you go, um, one of my favorite quotes of yours that you ever said to me, which just summed you up, always trying to find a way to win. But it was in 2013, which was your 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 final comeback show. Remember, you did the the 2013 show for the fans, and you did guest posing in Calgary, and I I put your tan on for you, and and I asked you, I said, so you know, because you know you'd you'd play six that year, right? You know, you'd been out of the out of the mix, and you were six, and and I said, so how do you feel about everything? And you said, well, I knew I wasn't going to win, but. I knew I was going to sell more shirts than Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, there it is. It's always yeah. a win. I'll be honest, guys. Like, 13 might have been probably one of my favorite Olympias ever because the pressure wasn't there. Um, it was pretty hyped for me coming back that year. Oh, I had the I had the five shirt with the, the five on it. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, for a minute, I thought I was going to win, to be honest. I thought I could win it, like, probably, like, uh, halfway through the prep. But I tore I tore the other bicep. I tore you know, this one in, in 11. Yeah. Um, I had the recovery in 12. I had the surgery. But then when I started training, literally the first day, I said, okay, I'm going to commit to this. And I was doing chest, and I picked the dumbbell from the rack, and I tore my lower bicep in my right arm. And I said, oh, man, this is – I can't – extend this another year i i like i'm gonna be older i just turned 40 um as i was leading into that show so i was 39 and i thought man i, I can't go past 40 and uh i end up competing and it, it definitely hindered my back training i couldn't row with the reverse grip and the things i needed to do that's the thing i built the body on heavy weights for especially for the back if you guys go and watch my videos in the volume Mm -hmm. I couldn't train like that in 13 and it really affected my back and leg size uh, where I wasn't as good. You know, once I pulled down, I realized that I was a shadow of what I used to be. And being a beast is what won me shows, man. I outmuscled guys. I was never pretty to look at. Um, I didn't have the smallest waist. I had a great set of abs, but I had really, you know, I had bigger obliques. Um, but, you know, I was able to get enough condition, not always the best condition guy, but just enough to be able to be, I feel better than a lot of guys and you know and that's where my career ended 13 i never planned to compete after that so there's been a lot of hype still to this day people still hit me on media like you know i saw this nick strength and power um was posting oh jay may be coming back and of course everyone's hitting me up and i'm like come on man i'm 47 years old like, <laughs> i'm busy counting money that's why i i give dexter so much credit for him to have the mentality to still go in the gym and train and like we would wake up every day and say, I'm a pro bodybuilder still trying to win the Mr. Olympia. Like I can't even imagine what his mindset must be like, because yeah. listen, I, I appreciate a bodybuilder's mindset, not their physiques. And I'm sure both you guys, like, like Dusty said, I could care less about what you do in the gym. It's really, he's talking about the mindset because what you do outside the gym that creates the person that can go and train and have the ability to balance and live real life. Right. And mm -hmm. be successful. So I love being successful. I love being um, a positive thing for people, especially during these times. And I'm going to continue to do that. So I'll keep on the media. I'll keep posting what I can. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so excited that you guys chose me to be on your on your podcast. Um, and, you know, thanks for reaching out to me. And I hope I run into you guys very, very soon. 
Yeah, we miss the uh, German airport chats and the uh, British airport chats and the Australian <laughs> airport chats. <laughs> so what's what, Dusty? What's next for you? Right now, I mean, I, I've really, I, I kind of had, I did a little year of kind of figuring it out, and and for me now, it's 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 all about social media and marketing. That's all. Shows if I when I compete, I'm I'm going to compete maybe next year, but it's purely to drive the media. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I fortunately a long time ago I knew my role in the industry and it rolled, the world rolled in my favor. You know, had I been in the sport ten years earlier, I would have never went anywhere because if you weren't winning, you didn't matter. Um, yeah. Because of this stuff now, it's it, it, Oh. First glitch of Dusty's show. It just, you know, what's your that? Fa your face froze there for the first time the whole sh the whole show. Well, so it was my best look. That's okay. <laughs> no one really needs to see your face, Dusty. Exactly. So, but yeah, that's the, the plan is just uh, creating ways to put out more content. I mean, because like you said, that is the magic for us, and and it, it's exciting how many people have come along and they don't care. I mean, you really realize now that. Uh, there's a there's a certain level of people that need the bodybuilders that are winning shows and certain people that just want something to follow, you know, real people. Yeah. Yep. And Ron, you've hung it hung it up. Yeah, well, I I'm I'm I, I wake up every morning, Jay, amazed that I make a living from bodybuilding because I come from the '90s when, like Dusty said, you know, you had to be top ten guy in the world to make a living. And the fact that I, you know, get up in the morning and do my podcast and talk to Mr. Olympia and then I got clients messaging me. I'm helping them out. I love helping people. And uh, I, because of this podcast and who I associate with, I tend to attract hardcore clients that know how to get it done. And it's a lot of fun. And then obviously, you know, one of the owners at the gym up here that we, we have to have you up to the gym. And as soon as Americans are allowed in Canada again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dirty Yanks. And, um. <laughs> And, you know, just uh, I love walking into that gym every day and, and knowing that that's the type of gym that someone could become Jay Cutler in. Yeah, someone who came out and trained there recently, Bumstead or? Yeah, Bumstead's, Bumstead loves it out here and he, 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 he loves to come and train here. Okay. And it's it's the type of gym where someone could get ready for an Olympia, you know. I mean, Dusty will tell you and, and there's not a lot of them now uh, anymore and uh, I'm just real proud to be part of it. Yeah, your buddy in Marietta talks about you all the time, you know. But yeah, and I love that you support his gym. He's such a good guy, such a great guy. And and the, what he's doing there, I just love that gym. Dusty and I both love that gym. Yep. Met Metroflex Marietta. Yeah, he's such a good guy, Ryan. And I, I mean, I, I love going out there to train. So yeah. which I, I know he's going through some now, but Man. I think he's now the outdoors next week or this week or something. Yeah, yeah. we've kind of had it easy. We opened on May 19th and the government hasn't bothered us at all since. So uh, we're just kind of keeping our fingers crossed on a daily. Well, let's keep doing it, man. Let's stay positive and hopefully I can come back on in the next year and maybe have some more news or whatever else. I'd love to. Yeah. Again. We'd love it. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks, Jay. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. I still got there it. There you go. You still got <laughs> it. The king. <laughs> So, Dusty, we finally got him on the show. The undoable, the, the guy that we thought might be one of our first. He just, he wanted to be first in the following year. And that's where, that's where you were confused. It's so funny. He got my, he got, got my hopes up. He, he comments on the photo. When am I on, bro? First guy to comment back when we first posted. 
So I thought, oh my God, we're going to have Jay like episode three. And I'm going to be honest though, like we haven't regressed much, so I'm okay. I yeah, don't know yeah, if we got no. any better, but no, uh... no. <laughs> <laughs> we, probably good. We got some practice ones. You know, I mean, I was it. on time this time. I, you know, yeah, I had a yeah. fresh shower. I mean, so I feel I, good I about that. I didn't need to take a leak halfway through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it worked he out. messed up the point where we had to step away. So I, which no one's going to know about, but oh, no, gave me a good. chance to yeah. give the dogs bones. So they were going crazy. But it's no, it, it was awesome. And I like that, um, you know, I was giving you a hard time before that, uh, that we just wing it. Like, I feel like that's what I love about the show is just let it go where it goes. Um, yeah. And especially because Jay has done a couple podcasts recently. And that was the only thing because, you know, I don't really watch other podcasts. I was like, well, shit, I don't want to cover the same stuff. And I'm yeah. pretty confident so, we didn't since I don't watch them. No, I, I so I did. I did briefly look at a couple of his other interviews that had timestamps. Oh, okay, cool. And I just read the timestamps. I was like, oh, are they? Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Okay, okay. And then there was like, you know, just by default, at least half of the timestamps. I was like, oh well, I wasn't gonna ask him about that stuff anyway. And then a few of them, I was like, oh, good to know he talked about that. I might, I might go like around the Further corner on that one and see what he right. said about that. You know, so it was, I might have got a few ideas, but um, but yeah, it was he. He was just he's just so easy to talk to. I mean. You know, I like like I joked about the airport conversations, but mm-hmm. you know, I remember the last time I think I talked to Jay was on a flight from Germany back to London. Yeah, and, I was there. <laughs> and yeah, and he was he was sitting one row ahead of me on the aisle. On the other and, side, yeah. And I was on the aisle. And he spent the whole flight, like two hour flight, he's turned around. And the whole time he's talking to me, like we talked for two hours straight, the whole time he's talking to me, I'm going, his neck's gonna hurt. <laughs> He shouldn't His be doing this. Gonna hurt. Shouldn't be doing this. Like, like you know, because I felt bad because I'm sitting there staring, like staring forward. I'm Can not going to be. Yeah, he's sitting all crooked, talking the whole time, and you, you just, you just, it was funny. We had a great conversation, but he, he's the type of guy that, um, you know, like you said, he goes around, says hi to everybody, acknowledges everyone in the room, um, you know, likes to kind of set the tone for the room and make everybody comfortable, and you know, he's he's that way when you see him in 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 public too. I remember um, it's funny because a lot of people don't understand, like, there's a lot of big stars in bodybuilding, uh, in the industry in general. She didn't say bodybuilding, in the industry. Um, but I remember one year I was in Germany and I had my back to uh, the entrance of the cafeteria, 20% off, Dusty20, uh, I mean, dot com. <clears throat> but uh, it was funny because I noticed every, I was looking away and everyone kind of stood up. And the guy who was sitting across from me goes, what's going on? And I said, oh, Jay must be here. That's and funny. He, he smiled and he goes, what? And I go, Jay has to be here. And literally he looks, he goes, yeah. Jay's here. <laughs> because, and you're talking about all the other stars as well. It just that is the respect that he's earned yeah. and, that, and that he gives. And I think that's why, because, you know, literally, and it, it is comical, I mean, I like to joke and stuff, but I'm also semi-serious. Like, you know, in the in the realm of he's Mr. Olympia, and uh, and I've bought tickets for the Olympia, is about as close as I'm ever going to get to that stage with something like that. He had supported my career since I was an amateur. Yeah. Checking in on things and stuff. And it's like, it's 
it's not even like a friend of a friend thing. That's Jay. That's what he's done for a lot of people. I know the same story with you. Well, I, like, I wow. noticed I noticed he did he did it he did it during the podcast several times. Like Oh damn. There you go. That's why Dusty's spending seven thousand on dog school right there. Seven thousand so that he doesn't have to hit that mute button. Very expensive mute button. Oh yeah, see? See now he's having a discussion with them. There we go. Up, up, up. That, see? It's telling them how it's going to be. You're going to get a left, and then you're going to get a right, and then you're going to get a left, and then you're going to get a right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dude, this is terrible. So I have, a, I have a neighbor, and I love him, Russ, who has a Yorkie, but he's an old dude who knows that I'm at home all the time. So he'll come out back and stand there, and the dogs know he's there. He's like looking to see if you're around so you can have a neighbor and, chat. So I'll let the dogs out, but he'll stand there while the dog. And I'm like, and I, and I, he knows I'm here. My car is right out front. And I'm like, he doesn't I'm know not, you're recording a world re- famous podcast. I'm not required to answer. It's just like when someone knocks on my door, I don't yeah. always answer. You didn't I'm invite not required them. to answer. I'm not, a, I'm not required to answer my phone if it rings. New, no, new. No. So yeah, anyways. Not. Who would, yeah, who, why would you call me? I'm sorry. I'm just thinking device. out loud. What are you doing? I get confused when it rings. Like, this is a text device. Shit. Why is this email broken? <laughs> Jay, Jay, Jay does what you were saying. He even did it during the podcast. Like he goes out of his way to give other people credit. He's like, I, with our career, I want to go. There's nothing about my career that looks like your career. <laughs> yeah. But it's just how he, but it's genuine. That's how he sees things. Mm-hmm. It's not, he's not putting on like, okay, I'm going to put on my nice guy character and say nice things about people. It's just not how it is. Cause he's just, that's just how he is. Cause you know, we've been around him enough to know. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's humbling because it's a hard act to follow. And I'm not talking about the wins. Yeah, no, I agree. The, the way he carries himself and, uh, you know, deals with fans. And and so it's a hard act for anyone to follow, but it raises the bar and it raises the standard for everyone involved in the industry. You know, I find it interesting, too, because a lot of questions, which I knew I didn't have time to get to some of them, were about uh, how to become someone, how to build something. And you know what, man? If I was going to give advice, like the most loose advice, it would be, number one, outwork everyone. And number two is like, be a good person. Literally, it's that simple in our industry because it is a small bubble and it just continues to go on. I mean, if you follow a guy like Jay and look and go, why is he who he is versus everyone else? I mean, he openly admits and he's right. I mean, you know, he's not the best Mr. Olympia ever. Right, right. Um, But I would, I can't name anyone else that's bigger in the industry. Yeah, it's uh, you know, he, he he was ahead of ahead of the curve too, like I was saying, ahead of the curve on the engagement, ahead of the curve on returning the emails, ahead of the curve on staying at the expos. See, mm-hmm. you know, and not like he foresaw what it was going to add up to, but um, it, I think a lot of people um they forget they forget about they forget about the little people before they're even big people. That's that's actually a a really valid point, like or or the importance like. How many, how many guys do you know or girls that are getting ready for a show and maybe they've come and work our booth or something and the whole world needs to stop around their prep. Well, I got to go. I got to go. I got to do yeah. this. And they're in a hurry and they're short with people and they're all late. these things. Well, this guy's winning the Olympia tomorrow. And he's staying until midnight to and see the last fan. Every fan. Yeah. And you so know what's he- funny? 
every fan would understand if he left. Yeah, that's the thing. He didn't have to stay. People would yeah. have just been like, oh, I got close to Jay, and then at 9.30, he, he closed up and left. Yeah, Everyone would understand. Yeah, it's not crazy. And then the next day, he blew Wins. everybody away. And, yeah, that's why we're his fan. And I think that that's something that people don't see is, you know, he's just a worker. And I didn't get to ask because I didn't want to go very on, but because I also know the answer is Jay Cutler's not a guy that retires from yeah. Hustle. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know how to just sit around and do nothing. That's impossible. Like he says, you know, he doesn't even turn the TV on much, and yeah, he doesn't have he's to do his anything. Face off, and he needs to do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my plan for the rest of the day, Dusty. Is actually nothing. That's awesome. Um, I have, I have a big, I have a big week, dude. I'm actually just kidding. I have five um, days have before many these two things. are gone. No, my, oh, my many yes. things oh, are so hanging out with the, the dogs. Home stretch. This home is stretch. it. Right, Todd comes in on Friday to film. I take okay. them on Saturday, and we got some cool stuff going too at Canine Games. Nice. I'm doing I'm doing a bite suit. Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get mauled up. by dogs. Nice, you deserve so, it. Yeah, I think uh, some of my exes are coming to release them. <laughs> release the hounds. I was like, whoa, whoa, why is she here? Fuck this. You get to do like, a, is there like a scene where you get to like try to try to make it across the yard of a mansion before they get you, or do you, well, they see, play it out a little bit? Because I, I was literally asking, I was like. Can I run away? And he's like, we're going to work our way up to that. So maybe, you know, so apparently like I'm going to ask too bad in the beginning because <laughs> I didn't get a yes. They were like, we'll have some fun with it. I'm like, you're that's a no. Away, yeah. You're not going to let me get my ass kicked so bad. So I'm hoping, I guess there's actually a way to do it correctly. So I'm hoping before they're gone, I can get really mauled by a dog. Well, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I'm checking the tracking numbers of that package I'm waiting for to complete my midlife crisis bike build. You should be and, very happy, by the way, that you chose a bicycle and not a vehicle, just so you know. Yes, and <laughs> and it says that it's uh, being delivered today. So I'm just kind of waiting. If that, that thing better be done by next week or you and I got problems. I want to yeah. see it on the show. That's how I feel. I want to see it on the show. Maybe a released photo after the show. I want to see it before the internet sees it. Don't be fucking me on this. Deal. Oh, no, no. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, that's my plan for today. And of course, chest day, best day, international Ooh. chest day, Monday. Going to go in. I had, I had a few days of training over the weekend. I went and saw my dad, 81 right. years old. I got across on the ferry to Vancouver Island where they only have like one active COVID case, I think. And, um, and I went and safely visited my 81 year old father, um, with no social distancing, and we were uh, we watched Massive. some TV and talked about World War II movies and just like uh, just like it was Christmas. Nice. So, so we had a good time, and I'm I'm happy to have got that. I know a lot of people didn't get to visit their family. I didn't get to, I haven't seen them since December. You know, so um, I know not everyone has gotten to visit their family yet. So it was really great. Emily and I had a good time on the island where everything moves a little bit slower. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, but you know what though? I can handle that. I can, I, yeah. I do those trips away where I'm like, where you're like, I could, I could live like this. And about two days later, you're like, I gotta get home. I gotta get home. <laughs> I got shit to do. Yeah, no, it's like we're sitting on the beach watching the sunset. Yeah, it was like, awesome okay. for a day. Oh. Third day, you'd have been like, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, I'm not busy enough. Okay, man. Well, I, uh, I'm just waiting to hear that there's some nightmare with the recording and Scott lost it all. And it's not gonna uh, happen unless the only way that happens is if you don't remind people they need to like, subscribe, share, yes, comment. like, share, subscribe, and comment. Please, 
desperately please like share subscribe and comment tell your friends tell your enemies tell everybody tell everybody okay dusty have a good week my, my buddy episode yeah. 53 episode 54 coming up that's right in the books man okay next time. it's just bodybuilding Thank <laughs> you.